Welcome to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. We feature exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the podcast, the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence, and the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause. I also created the Reach More Readers Workshops. Thank you for choosing to learn with me, and I hope you'll take action today as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us to help us reach more listeners. Hello, everyone. This is Becky Robinson. Welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I am so happy to be joined today by Jody Sperling. And before we started recording, we were having a really interesting conversation that I can't wait to share with you. We're going to repeat it. I always think I should be recording before I'm recording because that's sometimes when the most interesting conversations happen. Um, so as we get started today, Jody, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and about your work in the world? Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much for having me, Becky. Love the show. Love what you're doing. And I'm excited to be here. Um, So I think first and foremost, I do define myself as a a novelist. That's been my dream for uh, almost 20 years now is to to publish traditionally and just break down those doors. And it's pretty challenging more so than I thought. Um, In fact, because of the amount of failure I experienced over that time, I decided that I was going to build my own version of patrons of the arts. Um, And there used to be this thing in the old days, you don't really see it very much anymore, but you would have somebody who would support an artist to just kind of live in their head and create beautiful art. Uh, And the way that I saw that being possible was to buy up rental houses. Um, So my wife and I uh, embarked on kind of a crazy journey to accumulate some rental houses. And uh, I think where that went off track was I realized I really loved doing it um, and that it was not something that I had a finite end for when I got to switch back and give my full passion to writing. So now I'm kind of unraveling the rental houses in order to fund my crazy dream of being a novelist and making money on this journey. Um, So I have a podcast that talks to people about this process. um, And I'm kind of dabbling in a little bit of writing nonfiction to talk about marketing as well. Hopefully that wasn't too long-winded. Well, no, but please make sure you tell our listeners the name of your podcast, because if yes. they're listening to this one, they might like to listen to yours as well. And I know I'm going to be a guest on yours soon too. So we want to make yes. sure everyone knows about that. <laughs> Absolutely. It's called The Reluctant Book Marketer. And I, I think that that has a lot to do with the fact that it took me way too long to realize that I was responsible for marketing. And it was a hard switch in my mind to embrace that. Well, let's talk a little bit, Jody, because you may not know this, but I primarily have been interviewing nonfiction authors. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this is off script, but talk about what might be different for a novelist or a fiction author who's looking to market their work. Yeah. The the big thing is, um, and there, there are so many nuances, but I would say the big thing is, is that a fiction project isn't necessarily um, the, the business storefront that you get with nonfiction. So with a nonfiction book, and you talk about this on your show as well, so I'm not going to dive into your world, but um, it can be the object that gives you credibility so you can book speaking events and have just an easy way to introduce people. The novel speaks for itself. The novel is the object that you want people to buy, and it is every single one is going to be separate unless you're writing a series. You can use that momentum from writing a series, which you don't get in nonfiction either, but each piece is sort of this distinct thing where you're, you're 
target niche your audience is going to change slightly. Hopefully that doesn't happen to you from a non nonfiction perspective quite as much. So let's talk a little bit more about that. And, you know, I've never really heard this idea of niches applied to fiction authors. So let's talk about that for a moment. And then also let's um, go back to that conversation that we were having earlier. Yeah. Um, so Jody was describing to me um, kind of the similarities between real estate investing and fiction writing. So let's go there next. Yeah. So, and, and this does all have to do with the niche um, and, and maybe we can broaden that conversation we were having before, but I was telling you about how there's this area in Omaha, which I'm more or less local to Omaha, Nebraska, um, called the Blackstone neighborhood. And about 10 years ago, Blackstone was a rough part of town. There were shootings, there was crime. You didn't want to be there walking uh, late at night. Uh, it was a place that you drove past. Um, however, there was some beautiful old architecture there. There was these beautiful brick buildings and real estate investors were the first ones to see those buildings and kind of think of it in a different way, not as a place they wanted to avoid, but as a place they wanted to invest in. And so they bought up a lot of the apartment buildings, some of the business storefronts, and they started what was a several year remodeling project where they dug deep into their pockets without any kind of return on investment. And they made those places nice. And as a result of that, you had a lot of the people in Omaha who were looking for a trendy up and coming place that was on a college budget uh, or a young person's budget. And those places were that at that point. And so they moved in and because they moved in, now the storefronts are an appealing place for bars and restaurants and boutiques. And so those businesses started to move in. And when that happened, Blackstone became kind of the it, the really happening spot in Omaha. Now you can't rent an apartment there very cheaply. And, and you're seeing kind of a, another shift, but it's because the investors saw who would be interested in this place. Um, so how yeah. can authors apply those lessons that you are sharing from the Blackstone neighborhood? Yeah, absolutely. So that is first being able to identify the person who's going to be the taste maker. And that's the person who gets a lot of their satisfaction in life by finding something. Um, the finders are the, the ones who then are going to build your niche and your audience and so you're writing with somebody in, in mind who likes discovery. Uh, that neighborhood needed to be discovered. And then those people started telling their friends. And it, you, you had credibility for being the one to find that neighborhood at first. And those are a very specific kind of people. So when you're writing a novel, you're thinking about this very specific person who loves to discover books. They're not necessarily the same reader who's going to read your book six months down the road or a year down the road. They're the people who like to discover and move through books quickly. And you have to kind of understand that mindset of who you're looking for. How do you get to know who that person is? I think that there's a level of intimacy in connecting with the books. And so you're going to have a huge advantage if you yourself like to discover things. Um, it doesn't mean you have to be one of those people, but it means putting on that hat for a little while. And so not necessarily waiting for a bestseller list to tell you where to go of actually looking at the publications, small presses, um, or even some of the bigger presses of the up and coming titles. Um, 
one way that I do that and that has really helped me to start driving a niche for myself is using Twitter. And so I go into Twitter and I look for people who have publishing deals that are still a year, a year and a half away. Um, and they're announcing they have a forthcoming novel and building a relationship with those people that are writing in the same genre as I am. Okay. So let's um, go a little deeper. T- tell yeah. us exactly how you're finding those people. There are some easy ways, and this is for novelists. I I cannot tell you how this would be done as much in nonfiction, though I'm sure there is a corresponding way. You can go to small presses, um, and it's just as easy as Googling sometimes to find out what small presses publish in your genre and focus on your genre, and then go to their Our Book section on their website, and they'll announce who's coming uh, out with a book in the next usually 12 to 18 months, Um, and they typically have a pipeline of about two years right now. So it is a long process if you're going traditional, but then you just back search those people. And for whatever reason, I don't know again, if this is true for nonfiction, but it is a fiction. Almost everybody gravitates towards Twitter. It is just a really great social media platform for fiction. And so you'll find those authors starting to build their platform and likely you're going to catch a good number of them before they're super selective about who they interact with. Um, And that gives you a huge advantage in, I, I guess, like even collaborating with their audience because they're building an audience maybe before you are. Well, so um, as we were prepping for this conversation, you mentioned that questions can be a powerful way to build those collaborative relationships. Could you tell yeah. me a bit more about that? Yeah. And this is a slightly different angle on the same question. Um, I, I, I think that you've had conversations about funnels or similar things before. Questions are the top of the funnel um, for, for me on Twitter. And so there's the side that I was just talking about, which is me going out, hitting the metaphorical streets, finding the people and inviting them into my world. The questions get to be the content creation. So I think in a, in a very real sense, the questions I ask on Twitter are the real estate investor building or refurbishing the building. You get to know me by the questions I ask you. And if my questions are, are engaging enough, you stop what you're doing to answer them. And in that moment, you just kind of stepped into my bar. Now you're having a drink at my bar and we're having a conversation and building a relationship. Statements just don't work the same way, unfortunately. You can have a very provocative statement and I've seen a ton lately just based on the world that we're living in, but statements more often than not cause strife and questions are welcoming and warm and inviting. So let me see if I can uh, just wrap my head around this a little bit. So what you're talking about, Jody, is making relationships with novelists before their books come out mm-hmm. as they are building an audience in hopes that along the way you can collaborate with authors who might have readers who are similar to the readers that you want to attract. So tell me, what is it that you're asking these other authors that compels them to want to have a relationship with you that becomes collaborative? Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to depend somewhat on your genre, but I do try to ask genre-specific questions uh, that are interesting to people writing this work. And one thing I do want to mention, because you're talking about this, is there is a little bit of a transition that happens. Once you build relationships with authors, you need to be careful not to rely on authors to be your customers. They're kind of like your, your co-collaborators, your co-conspirators. You're going to be talking to the same audience. So I think for me, the top layer of questions is very much aimed at the authors because I want the authors to 
engage with me. And then I want to start seeing who their audience is, who's excited to be interacting with them and engaging with those people as well. Because it's not like I'm stealing somebody's reader in any means. Once you love an author, you're going to continue to read that author. I think that that's extremely true of fiction, but you're also open to read more authors. I never have a list that's too long for me to get through. I'm always looking for new people to read. And that's the same as your readers. Sure. I I love that abundance mentality. And especially as it relates to fiction, I think fiction is something you consume. So you're always looking for, you know, what's another book by this author that I can read or, you know, who's another author who's writing similar books. So I I agree with you on that for sure. And um, this is just kind of a new world because with nonfiction, we're not using Twitter as much. Um, I used to. so for those who are listening, who do write fiction, I have some fiction authors in my audience. Um, what I'm hearing, and I hope you're hearing too, is that Twitter is a powerful place where you can meet other authors in your similar genre, be able to engage with them and collaborate, not so that the other authors are your customer, but so that you can get to know other readers as a result of the engagement that's happening on Twitter. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I'm super curious to hear, Jody. how much time do you spend on this Twitter initiative to to find authors to collaborate with and to identify audiences for your work? So that's a that's a trick question a little bit, and I'm going to be completely transparent with you. Um, I left my W-2 uh, in December of 2021 because I was all in on this idea that I was going to make a living off of my books and my podcast together, and I think that's a very reasonable goal with the amount of time that I have. However, that means that I'm treating Twitter a lot like a job. And so it's not uncommon for me to spend upwards of four hours a day on Twitter. I don't tell other people to do what I do. I just, that makes sense when I went from zero followers when I started my Twitter account on March 14th of 2022 to 11,000 followers today. So just a little uh, around a hundred days, I've packed on 10,000 followers and they're pretty much exclusively writers and readers. So, um, if you want a real reasonable amount of time that you need to spend on Twitter, I think uh, two 15 minute check-ins a day is a very reasonable amount of time to spend there and see true good results where you build community. So half an hour a day. And I think that's just what it is to see engagement on that platform. Got it. So uh, how, how would you, as a fiction author, be able to identify and articulate who the people are who are in your niche? The first way uh, is to, and I think we were talking about this, the first way is to go to the authors who are writing your genre. Um, And maybe even a step back from there then is to have a really clear understanding of what your genre is. I've gone on my own journey to discover that. Um, You think that you're talking about marketing, and then after a while you realize that you're more interested in the mindset behind marketing. Uh, And and so uh, that's that's been my journey as well. You're not writing a mystery novel. You're writing a noir mystery, or possibly you're writing a speculative noir mystery, which is exactly what I'm writing. And so the number of people writing a speculative noir mystery is now down to the dozens as opposed to the thousands or even the tens of thousands. So what if you don't know what your uh, genre (laughs) is? 
discovery, ask, ask a lot of questions and people will answer. Um, I, I think it's common in nonfiction as well to have uh, beta readers or that version of somebody who reads it before it's really out there for the audience. And those are the people take advantage and ask questions like, what are you seeing here? What, what, like, who does this appeal to in your mind? And people will answer you and be very honest. Um, even strangers get really excited about being part of that process. So don't be afraid to ask that question. So as it relates to Twitter, are you using hashtags to find people no. in your niche or in your genre? No, no, I, I don't use hashtags. I don't at people. Um, I only tweet and reply. Uh, and I think actually it's kind of a misconception about Twitter. It's a misconception about uh, TikTok as well. Hashtags don't matter. Um, they just clutter up your your screen. Um and so it's, it's really about using keywords. It's almost like the algorithm. Well, in fact, the algorithm is only looking for the subject. Um, so when you use keywords, it actually sends it out just like a hashtag. So are you using TikTok as well? I am. Yes. So and talk, talk to us a little bit about TikTok yeah. and how you identify other authors and audiences on TikTok. TikTok right now is slightly more creator oriented. So where on Twitter, I would say focus, if you were to, to do that 30 minute thing, um, maybe 10 minutes on creation and 20 minutes on engagement and going out. Um, TikTok's almost a flip-flop uh, in that you're going to spend probably 20 minutes creating and 10 minutes engaging. Um, just because right now, the way that the algorithm is designed, it will push your video out based on the sounds that you use, the words that you use, the music, all of that kind of stuff. My caution with TikTok is, is that uh, it is more time consuming to engage because you're captive to a video that's either 15, 60, or three minutes long. And it's, uh, it's challenging because of that. But the algorithm is so wide open that you can reach a massive audience um, pretty quickly. So as it relates to what you shared with us, Jody, about this being your job, if you're spending four hours a day on Twitter, how much time are you spending on TikTok? Closer to that 30 minutes, maybe even less than 30 minutes. I, I record videos when I'm in the mood. Um, and I, I do think it's important to say, too, that everybody has a social media they're more comfortable with. I'm starting to get comfortable with TikTok. So I might see that shift a bit as I understand it more. But um, in general, I love the written form. So I like being able to write on Twitter and uh, making the video, I think, is another step up from what we're doing, which is a podcast. I really like conversing with you. Um, thinking about people watching me is, that's just not quite as comfortable, I guess. Yeah, no worries. We only share the audio. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, so I, I know I've taken us a lot off the original script. I'm curious what else you think it's important for our listeners to know about this idea of collaborating with other authors to identify more readers in your niche. So to find the readers who really want to read the books in your genre. Yeah. And, and Becky, I think that this will apply to, to nonfiction too. So I do want to land on it. Um, but asking questions is not just a single volley. It's actually multiple stages. So ask a, an open question to begin with something that's pretty broad and allow the answers to guide you and follow the most interesting responses and ask follow-up questions. Be thoughtful about it. You don't have to worry about it being an interrogation because if you're asking thoughtful questions in response to somebody who's already replied to you, they've shown a, a willingness to engage. And when you get that, that is the 
best kind of gold you can dig for, you're going to get so much out of it. So that's, that's where I would land is, is make sure you don't think of it as a single question and response, but multiple questions. Got it. So um, Jody, I will tell you that in my early days of using social media, I loved Twitter and my very favorite thing to do Um, I would get up really early in the morning when I was, it was even before I started to build my business. And every single day I would tweet out, good morning, who's awake. (laughs) I love it. And I, I created so much great engagement from that just by who would answer. In fact, one of the people who answered, and then I asked other questions, um, I eventually hired and she's been a contractor for my organization for over a decade. But I, I listened to the advice of a business colleague who said that my tweet seemed needy. Oh no. And so I stopped doing it. But now that I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, you know what? I I had something that worked that was creating engagement that was allowing me to create relationships. And maybe mm-hmm. I need to get back to that. You know, I've said in recent years I I tend to focus more energy on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um maybe I just need to rediscover my old favorite. <laughs> You know, I, I, it's worth, it's worth at least a try. I, I am always surprised at uh, when people tell me that Twitter is a hateful place and, and that it's an explosive and rageful place. I'm like, I, that's not the Twitter that I know. I don't think I could exist there, but it's such an affirming, uh, friendly, warm place in my experience. So yeah, the questions may be all the difference. I, I hope. Well, I love that the power of questions and, you know, this conversation has taken me some places I didn't expect, but some some really interesting ones. And I want to ask another Twitter question, if you can just indulge me for a minute, because uh, you said that you don't at mention people Mm -hmm. and you don't use use hashtags. So you're just asking an open-ended question. You're engaging Mm -hmm. with anyone who answers. So how is it that then that you attract the other authors who are in your space? So you mentioned speculative noir mystery is a pretty small niche. So I assume you're following those people proactively in hopes that they follow you back. But is there any other way that you're, you know, targeting your effort to attract the right collaborating authors and audiences? Yeah, so there are a couple of things that I think are uh, worth mentioning as far as the, the the going out aspect. So the asking questions is the content that I create and anybody is welcome. And so people are going to answer that question because they're a writer. I'm not asking questions that aren't for writers. And so that does help me just build that niche a teeny bit, or at least starts me a little ways further down the funnel. Um, when it comes to people I really want a relationship with, I go out and I get them. Um, and I've had even a strategy inside of that that I would definitely recommend recommend for others is unfortunately your following does make a difference when you're trying to engage with somebody who has a a large following or is well-known or further down the road than you. And so there were a handful of people that I put on my list of top 20 people I really would like to connect with. And I've been engaging with them without a follow for quite a long time. So I just have a separate spreadsheet. I look at them twice a week and I go and I see what they're posting on Twitter. And as long, and this is just for me, so whatever you're comfortable with, but as long as it's not political or religious in nature, I'll engage in some way, shape or form to build a like a personal connection on something they're interested in. Um, one that actually shows the algorithm that they might be interested in engaging with me. So sometimes they'll see my tweets and I've had a few of them actually follow me proactively because of that exchange. Um, But I got one just today that I was super excited about. I've been working on him for a long time and finally just, he opened the door up and I I hit follow and he followed me back in about 20 seconds. And so um, it's pretty effective. It is a, it takes a little time, but. 
Uh, thank you for sharing that with us, Jody. So yeah. um, as we come to the end of the topics that we wanted to talk about, we do always want to leave our listeners with some action steps that they can implement as a result of listening to this podcast. So I'm curious, Jody, um, what you would recommend for those who might be listening and who might be curious, whether it's about Twitter, if it's about TikTok, if it's about asking questions, if it's about collaborating with others in their genre or in their niche, what do you recommend for our listeners? So I really think that a huge payoff is to come up with three questions that really isolate the people you're most interested in talking to. And, and a great way to do that is whoever uh, is, is an authority in your area that you're trying to build into, ask those questions as if you're going to ask that person. And I think that'll help you really quickly define your niche. Okay, so action step number one is to create three powerful questions that you would ask an authority in your space. Yeah. So that you can start to use those to connect with people. Yeah. Uh, what else? I think from there, go ask those questions to uh, the community that you have built already and make yourself available right away for that next 15 minutes to engage with anybody who comes across your screen and answers those questions. I love it. Thank you so much for that, Jody. And thank you for investing time with us today. We're going to put in the show notes a link to Jody's podcast and all his website and social media channels. I hope that you'll take the time uh, to check him out and also to look for the upcoming podcast where we're going to be talking on his show um, about my work as well. So Jody, thank you so much for this time. It's been incredible. Becky, it's been amazing. I'm really glad we got the chance to talk. Thank you. You are welcome. As always, you can feel free to email me. I'm Becky at weavinginfluence.com and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of REACH resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks. 